Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome back to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Doug West. Doug, uh, I am very energized. (laughs) We were talking a little bit before we started. Uh, The Vikings just had one of the most insane regular season football games I think I've ever watched. Um, Kind of mirroring the, the Minneapolis miracle in ways, but it was like not one big miracle play, but like a bunch of little miracle plays and ups and downs that just kind of built up to probably the most excitement I've had watching a football game. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of jacked for that. So we're, we're recording this Sunday. I just want to let people know, cause this is before the Cavs game. So we're in between Vikings game and before the, the wolves and Cavs tip off on Sunday. Um, your Cowboys are playing right now. Why are we recording right now? Um, again, uh, we won't talk about football like that. I mean, I, you know, Cowboys are playing. Well, I'm taping it, but, uh, yeah, that Viking game though, I watched that game. I watched the end of it. Um, a few of my boys, uh, that, you know, I've, I've grown up with, they're texting about this game, the the best, probably the best game of the year so far. I mean, I don't know how you can, uh, you know, put too many games above that and to see the plays that were made on both sides, you know, digs on the Buffalo side, digs and Allen. And then you have Cousins and Jefferson on, <laughs> I mean, Jefferson with those catches. The catch that he made at the two-yard line right there in overtime. I, I don't even know how how he caught that ball. I mean, I don't know how Cousins got the ball in there. I don't know there, how Jefferson yes, caught yes, it. Yes, it was. It was uh, it's crazy to think like that Diggs and Jefferson essentially were like traded for each other. And they're like right? both two of the top five wide receivers in the NFL this season. Like, I know we're not a football podcast, but that's Minnesota sports. We need some no, Minnesota light. sports. That we was, need some that light was exciting. Here. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of light. Uh, last time we spoke about the Timberwolves, I think they were five and five. And I had a feeling that they were going to go on a, on a good stretch here. Um, and since then, this week has been oh and three um, right. with a very tough, with a very tough Cleveland game um, on the road tonight. Uh, so. Because we put we talked Sunday last week, so yes. right be- the day before the Knicks game. Yeah, we Knicks talked Monday game. actually. At, oh yeah, right Monday. The Knicks, yes, yes. yes. So the Knicks um, obviously won that game. I thought the Wolves looked okay against the Suns. Seemed like they were figuring some stuff out, 
And then in the, in the Grizzlies game, I thought they looked really good offensively, especially in the first half. Um, but again, there are three losses in a row. And like we talked about last week, doesn't matter what the score was, or there's no silver linings when it comes to, I mean, a W is going to go in the win column only when you score more points. So I think they, (laughs) I think they figured some things out offensively in that Grizzlies game. Um, but now to see if that really translates and if they can put it together for, for four quarters and then for four five, six games and like actually, you know, give some confidence to a fan base who's just dying for something to latch on to. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting too, because, um, you know, you look at the, the three games that they've lost, uh, you know, Phoenix, um, you know, the, the Memphis game, they came out with a different energy, a different mindset. It seemed like they, they played, uh, I would say they played harder, more together. Um, and it just, you know, when you think about it, though, that was a team they had in the playoffs last year. And hopefully that's, they're not like, you know, well, well, this is a playoff team from last year. So we're going to pick pick our game up a little bit more. Right now, we need to pick our game up in total, everyone for every game. And as you said, get on a get in, in some rhythm and get on a winning streak here. Yeah. And so that could start today here in just about an hour against the Cavs. Now I just saw the Cavs are going to be without uh, Donovan Mitchell and Jarrett Allen in this game. Oh. It just, I don't know. It didn't say what they were out with. And then a couple other players are out too. I wonder if um, maybe there's COVID or something. I don't know, but it's just interesting. It didn't seem like they were, I don't know if they had injuries before or what, but, but that's a big, that's a big thing for the wool. I mean, that's two of their starters out. I think Dean Wade's also out. He's a role or like a, you know, a rotation guy. Kevin Love might have been out. There's a lot of people not playing. And the Wolves now, it's are they gonna be, like you said, are they gonna be underestimating the team they're going up against now that that Mitchell and Allen aren't out, thinking, okay, this team's down a lot of talent. We should be better. And they just can't let that happen. They need to come in not playing down because they're still really good players on this Cavs team they need to come out firing if they they want to try to stop this losing streak well I I wouldn't look at or worry about who's not playing for for the Cavs uh the Wolves have to worry about doing what they do and do it better um the Cavs have played stretches without Allen last year he was out for a while last year and without um you know Mitchell they have a they have a good squad they have some very very good guards um you know still guards coming off the bench uh so I'm sure um, I, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game either way you look at it. Yeah, I think it will be too. It'll be, I was excited to see how the Wolves matched up with a Mobley Allen front court. Right. Like we've talked about before, it's a very different too big lineup, but it still is a too big lineup. Um, more, so athletic, more athletic, too definitely more lineup. athletic, definitely more versatile defensively when you talk about Mobley being able to get out and guard a lot better than cat can. And he moves his feet a little bit better too. Um, so yeah, I would think that overall that would be just something really fun to kind of see. And then Donovan Mitchell versus versus Rudy Gobert first time playing each other after being teammates <laughs> for, right. for so long, like that's something that I was really looking forward to, you know, see if Donovan can throw down a dunk on Rudy or Rudy can block a, a <laughs> shot. Like, something to just give some juice to, to a guy that Rudy needs it after not playing very, very well. Um, I don't, I don't mean he wasn't playing well, but the team as as a whole, not playing well. Right. I'm just looking, it says uh, Mitchell's out because of an ankle injury. 
Okay, um, yeah. So he has he has an ankle injury, so it, he's out. It looked like Jared Allen was questionable coming into, and it said a left ankle um, okay. soreness, and then also illness for both Mitchell and Allen were questionable with an illness too. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure entirely which one's actually keeping them out, um, but <laughs> they're out. It looks like uh, Ricky Rubio obviously still out because of his ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Wade That's being out all. too. Forgot all about Ricky Rubio, man. He was having yeah, a great that's... year before he, before he tore that ACL. Well, and it's crazy because he got traded after he tore From, the ACL. Went right. to yes. Indiana, and now he's back. And I wonder how. I mean, that's he, he should be a helpful player for that team once he yes. once he comes back too. And he has synergy with Donovan Mitchell after playing with with him in Utah too. So, yeah, I love Ricky Rubio. So I hope he does come back, and he's very, um, you know, he can not return and be like a shell of himself. I want him to have that, that solid return of, of what he has been in the past. So question, how do we keep cat on the floor? You're talking foul wise. Yes. So I tweeted something out the other night saying that (laughs) he has to figure it out. And, and it wasn't so much like sometimes it's the frustration fouls where he, Uh he gets caught up. And in the Memphis game, it wasn't really that. It was a lot more of like the just silly fouls that he didn't need to do. The one Stephen Adams under the hoop. Some of them are preventable, not even just by cap, but by other people. When he fouled Adams under the hoop, if the Wolves just get the ball, <laughs> like that right. play never happens. That never happens. Exactly. Um, the one on John Morant driving to the basket that fouled him out. It wasn't a like you could, I would say it was probably a foul, but it wasn't like a dumb foul. Cat didn't do anything dumb. He was just like John Morant's a lot faster than him. He was trying to keep up with him and he just didn't quite get out of the way enough. Um, so that one's tough, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it, what it is because I'd love to know how many of his fouls come with him being at the, at the five on offense with Rudy right. up basically without Rudy on the floor and how many come with Rudy on the floor and see if there is any correlation just from like thinking about it. I, couldn't tell you which one happens more. Um, and if he's fouling more in the perimeter or on the inside, but he's got to figure something out. Yeah. One of the things, I mean, he has to figure out how the officials are, um, officiating him. I mean, this has been going on his whole career. Um, it's not like it's something new. Um, you know, this is what eight years in, Um, Yeah, this is year eight. Yeah. Yeah. Officials, officials know you, they, they, they have a, they have a sense of how you play and the, as you said, the dumb fouls that you, that you commit. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, how frustrated he gets, but he has to, he has to find a way to just be smarter in, in situations when, when, where the team needs him. And also, you know, coach has to also keep him on the bench sometimes, you know, yeah. he, he got four fouls in the first half of the game last week. I mean, it's, yeah. it, you know, you know, gotta a, be smart. I always think about that as like a coaching philosophy thing too, and trying to figure it out for myself as a coach, like when you, when you take your best player off the court, you know, are you going to foul them out yourself by sitting them down or they go with the rest <laughs> of the game without a foul, but it also comes down to who that player is. Cat's a player that is prone to fouling. So you have to be extra cautious with him in those situations. He's, I mean, he's going to every game. He's going to end up with at least four fouls. Like that's just kind of the player that, that he is. And he, I mean, that's on him to figure that out. And I, I talked about the Memphis game, how like he didn't have any of those necessarily really dumb fouls, offensive fouls that were 
just like really bad and obvious, like the kick out on the three when he kicks his leg out. Um, <laughs> but those are the ones. So Memphis game didn't have that, but other games, those happen a lot, either that or, or really blatant knee kick out on a, on a mm-hmm. screen or something. Those are the ones that eliminate those ones first. Try, you know, if you knock, that's probably one, a game that he picks up at least like that. If you knock that out, you know, you're thinking, well, one foul is not a lot, but in certain situations, depending when you pick up that one foul, it, it can play a huge factor in, in his minutes and when he can be on the floor. So I think step one is to, to have a concerted effort to make sure those aren't happening. Now we haven't seen the leg kick out for a little while this season, but he had a few at the beginning of the year. Um, but the, the screen thing, it's not as bad. It used to be in the past either. So maybe he's cleaning those up. Then you really got to look at, at how you're using him. So I think it's both on him and, and Finch and, and when you leave him in the game, when you take him out. Right. Right. Yeah. Talking about usage. I mean, players are <laughs> the, the players were at the bench. I mean, it's, we're reaching, huh? When we got 10 playing 10, some nights, eight, some nights, uh, trying to figure out what works, um, who yeah. works. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was good. It was good to see, you know, McLaughlin's been playing a lot. Um, is that because Delo's not shooting the ball well, or is it? I think it's just to inject some pace and some ball movement into, into a team that severely lacks both Max, of those yes. things. And I don't know, you know, if, I mean, Chris Finch said for this Cavs game, like there's not going to be a change in the starting lineup, but you have right. to wonder if at some point, if it continues down this path, if there is um, a change in that lineup. And you talked about personnel too. It's, it's been tough not to have Nas Reed for a few, for the last couple of games. Right. I right. think he would have been big in that Grizzlies game, mm-hmm. um, energizing that second unit a little bit more um, than the Wolves didn't. They didn't pull out Luca Garza. I think Nate Knight played a little bit, maybe in the Suns game, but Nas Reed would have been helpful in those games. Not saying he's the difference maker, but right. I mean, he's been a really energizing. He's been good. Very, he's been, yeah. So he's been playing well. He's he's also not going to be playing tonight. He's ruled out. Um, so hopefully on Wednesday he can play against the Magic um, and try to get back into the flow of things. But yeah, it's there's been a lot of reach. Like you said, Bryn Forbes has played a little bit the last couple of games. Bit. Yeah. It looked like we're trying to figure out who, what, what pieces work together. And this is what we, you know, we were saying earlier without everyone playing in the preseason. Now you're trying to, you're trying to figure this out and it's, you know, you're on a three game losing streak right now. Um, we got to find a way to, to tighten it, tighten it up and, and get a, a W tonight. I mean, I think it's, it's a big game. It's, it's, it's an important game. You don't want to get on one of these losing streaks, four five, six games. Uh, early in the season. Yeah. And I, th- I think what's tough too, with, with reaching for all these guys is no one's really showed up. Austin rivers right. looked okay. And then now he got sick. So he's been out Forbes hit a couple shots also has had some really bad moments. Um, Nate Knight has like in the sun's game, didn't do a whole lot. Um, and Jalen Noel hasn't been playing very well the last few games either. And his role is really diminished in favor of players like rivers or Forbes or someone who provides something something else than Noel does. So, yeah, I don't know. Seems like Finch is just not saying he's desperate, but he's really just trying to find who's going to work in to, this lineup. Yeah, it's always one of those things, uh, you know, speaking of bench players, um, when you have – you know that you're going to go in and you you know, you know, at the 
five minute mark, I'm taking this guy out. I just get up off the bench and, you know, get up to the, up to the table. Um, and you know, you're going to get those minutes. It seems like you, 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 you play a little, um, less stressed. And when you don't know whether you're getting minutes or not, it's like you're on this, this roller coaster. Um, and you know, you have to, you know, prove that you belong on the court when the time given, uh, but you know, some of these guys, uh, you know, it's got to step up a little bit more here. And you can definitely get into the point where you're pressing a little bit, trying to prove you belong. And then even though your intentions are, are good and you're trying to do something positive, it can turn into, to being negative too. Um, see, I don't know what the rotation ends the year at. I don't know what happens, but I'm, I'm less worried about the bench. I'm more worried about what the the starting five can, can bring to the, yes. the, the table because they, they have a lot more talent than they're showing. And that's kind mm-hmm. of been, I mean, that's been talked about by everyone all year long. It's just like the, the product they're putting in the court does not equal the, even the sum of its parts, really good right. teams have good players. And then they gel so well together that they're even better than the talent level they have. And the wolves are at a point where they have a talent level, but their effort and their chemistry knocks it down lower than it should be. So that's gotta be figured out. Um, how do you, how do you think they, how does either coach Finch or the players in the court, What's like step one? What do you, what would you do to try to figure out those problems? Well, I, th- I think the first thing is they got to trust each other, um, and knowing that they trust each other and have each other's back. Um, it seems like there's a, a lot of situations that happen where they're where they're like looking at each other, like like why weren't you there or you know. And um, I was actually um, it's funny, uh, Dane Moore. Yep, right? Dane, Dane, yep. I was listening to his, I was listening to one of his podcasts. Um, and he was he was talking about the, the guys on the court just don't don't look like they they there's so many different schemes that they're using defensively. And you know, when Katz and we're using this this scheme with Kat and Rudy's and they're using this scheme with one's on the court and the other. So that's a lot of thinking on the court. And if, and if everyone's out there just thinking about like, okay, well, all right, cats in the game, who else is in the game? You know, what am I supposed to be doing now? All right. Cat and Rudy are both in the game. Okay. So what, what are we, you know, so there's always four guys that are, you know, those two are switching, but the, the defenses are switching so much. They got to find a, 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 a common defense to play. Um, you know, for everyone uh, so that they're, so that they're all on the same page. So that they're, they're not looking lost out there. And I think the good teams in the NBA do play multiple defenses, but they also are just really good at their base defense. And I think the wolves have to simplify things, go back, run a base defense, get it figured out. Then if you find success, that's when you start to implement a switching scheme or then you reintroduce the high wall defense that cat's using. I think the defense they have to use is they have to go to drop coverage. Rudy Gobert is one of the best defensive players in drop coverage um, in the league, probably in the last 50 years in the league. He's been just really dominant in his time in Utah. Cat's not been good in a drop defense as the center in his career. But if Rudy Gobert is playing 36 minutes a night, 34 minutes a night, Cat's only got to play it for 12, 14 minutes. Can you get by thinking that the offense will be good enough? So in that 
12, 14 minutes that your defense is solid enough to win you basketball games. And I think that's, I would argue that I think the defense should be really good with Gobert in there for those 34 minutes that they should be able to survive with cat playing in a drop scheme for 14 minutes a night. And then, like I said, you, then you start to eventually trickle in all of those new schemes. Once you have one of them figured out. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I agree with everything you just said there. Um, but when I, when I look at cat and Rudy playing together on the floor, it seems like they're putting cat into some, into some scrambling situations um, where he has to get out on the perimeter and guard. And that's something new. That's, that's that, that new, that new newness for him. You know, he has to be able to go out there and, you know, if they're, they start scrambling, he has to be able to step up and go compete now on the, on the perimeter. Whereas before he was sitting under the basket. So there are some times that I think he still gets caught in there where he doesn't realize, Oh, that is my coverage. And these guys are getting wide open shots. Um, So again, it it, it comes with a lot of repetition, uh, but it it is, it's a new position for him. Um, You know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, different things going on um, out there on the, out, out there in the perimeter, and it's just it's it's taking time, but time's starting to slip away here. Um, so you talked about step one, just being trusting teammates and everything like that, and we've kind of talked about that last week with trusting that Gobert's got your back when he's right. on the floor, um, allowing you to get up into your guy a little bit more. What? How does that trust get built? Is that a time thing? Is it a like a concerted like you're always in your mind, just like you have to be telling yourself that you're trusting these guys. Like what, what builds that trust with the team? Like, is it's, it something it's, that's natural? It comes, it's, it comes through repetition. It, it comes through a lot of reps um, and a lot of reps of seeing it done right. Um, you know, when you're start, you're starting to question each other and who's supposed to be where, and you know, you're looking around uh, that, 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 that trust isn't there. Um, so it's, you know, practice, um, how much practice time have they really had in the last few weeks, you know, right. Um, you know, to, to, to rep the rotations over and over again and knowing that, all right, I get beat. Somebody's got my back. It's there. Um, and it's, it's just, again, it's talking on defense. Um, you know, Everyone always talks about, you know, the most important thing is talking on defense. Most NBA teams, there's a lot of talking on the defense yeah. end. Um, I haven't been close enough to a game this year to hear how much talking is going on in that court right now with them. But when you're, when you, it's are not a sure lot of what you, yeah, because you're and not I, sure. I was in the, it was just the Rockets game. It, it's definitely a lot less than it was last year, which I mean, Patrick Beverly and, and Jared <laughs> Vanderbilt too. Yes. Like very vocal defensive defensive leaders and and Rudy is that right but Rudy's one guy you're missing it on the perimeter like you had with Pat Bev so I mean D'Lo communicates on defense but it's hard to to take that from a guy who is not playing great defense <laughs> himself at least I think it would be so well, um, that's it's definitely that's less true it's definitely less than last year and when you have guys still trying to figure things out like communications key. It has yeah, to it's be. key. Yeah, because if you don't know, you're not saying anything. You know, you you're just going to be looking around like, am I in the right position? Am I not? What's? Uh, and and then again, you have very very good players in the NBA. Um, players are going to make make plays. Um, and when that player makes a play, that's when you know when they break the defense down. Then it's about your your coverage on the backside, uh, getting to shooters, getting shooters off the three point line. Um, 
all those things. And it's, and it, again, it comes with a lot of repetition. So what we're in what 13 games in right now. Yeah. 13 games in. So yeah, it's, I will figure by those first 10, 15 games that stuff would start to be flowing, but they're still trying to find each other. So let's switch over. We've talked a lot about defense offensively. I, I kind of was looking at what Memphis was doing last night and, and what Memphis was doing. And this was mostly with Brandon Clark in the game, which different player than, than Gobert, but I think it was still make a lot of sense. What they were doing a lot of was John Morant's out on the perimeter. Okay. They're having Clark in that dunker spot, which he's a really good dunker spot player. Um, I think Gobert's got to get moved to that dunker spot. I really think that you do that. You get the ball to Anthony Edwards out in the perimeter. His first step is one of the best in the league. You let him get past his defender. Gobert's there in the opposite dunker spot. And there's a couple of plays last night where Morant drives. Gobert or Cat or whoever is in there comes up. It's a lob. Clark's right there. You could do that. Same action with Gobert. You have Cat in one corner or above the break. McDaniels and D'Lo in the corners. And, and that's just... That just seems like simple things that this offense can do. Um, and it feels like they're forcing too much of, you know, Rudy out in the perimeter play perimeter play. And, and Dane Moore brought this up probably in the same podcast episode that you were talking about. They, him and Britt Robson were talking about playing cat. This is going to sound ridiculous in a Dylan, not a Dylan Brooks, a Desmond Bain offensive role, which would really obviously lean into his shooting, which I like, but Bain also, it does have the freedom to put the ball in the deck a little bit, but I think it's less of cat trying to be Jokic in the, in the post with his passing or Embiid in the post with just being a dominant post player. Like those two are talking in that episode and more about leaning into his shooting because he is such a good shooter. What are your thoughts on, on that type of role for cat? And then just the general principle of Gobert in the dunker spot. Well, it would be interesting because I think what, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Memphis runs um, Bain off a lot of flare screens um, from the elbow area, and he catches the ball, and he and he's either catch and shoot or catch and put the ball on the floor and make a play. And I think that's something that 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 cat could do well. But it then comes down to him being able to create separation to get open for that shot. Right. Um, you know, I think I think if you know if I were defending that, I would just switch the screen. Um, with Cat and, you know, look more to try to steal the ball. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting because uh, they they did, they did run a lot of five out. They ran a lot of action up top in the middle uh, where it's really hard um, to, to trap guys or, or whatnot. And then they got, as you said, whenever he got downhill, he was able to throw lobs. Um, but, you know, Bain's been playing well, um, shooting the ball well. I think it would be something interesting to see Cat, Cat in. Um, also put him in some maybe some floppy action, some pin downs for him where he's yeah. coming up coming up and shooting shooting the ball. I think I think the counter to if if they are just going to switch a pick or a screen like that where Cat comes up would just – then that's when you allow Cat to drive because he is so good at taking those, like, smaller guys. Smaller guys, yeah. He might not beat them to the hoop, but he's – stronger than them, longer than them. He can st- turn around, back him down once he gets to 10 feet, whatever he has to do. I think he's generally pretty good at that. Um, or he can just shoot over the top of him. If, I mean, if it's a six <laughs> right, to five exactly. guy, his release is so high. So I think that's where it comes in. And obviously 
screen navigation on offense as you know, he's not going to be as good as Bain coming off screens because he's just a lot bigger. Um, but I think we've seen him off screens and he's been pretty good in his career. Uh, the only trouble I see, and obviously you're not going to put Gobert in the dunker spot all game long. His, right. his screening is so important, but I'm saying when you're not running, running a, a pick and roll action with Gobert, I'd rather see him in the dunker spot than at the top of the key because he just, we saw him put the ball in the deck a couple of times against Memphis and nothing good came of it. I, it just, I think that part needs to be eliminated. We need to stop trying to force the ball in there and just get him in the dunker spot or get him in pick and rolls, use what he's best at, have your other three spread in the floor and put the ball in, in Ant's hands a lot more. And, and, and maybe D'Lo can find a rhythm if he's shooting, catch and shoot threes instead of, you know, coming off screens, off and, screens and pulling up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's he seems to be a, a very good catch and shoot shooter, better than than coming off screens. Um, you know, with with D'Lo, um, it'd be interesting to see him. You know, make some shots. He knocked he knocked some down. Was it last week? Early on, I thought he was going to get up, get going, but still been struggling to shoot the ball here. Yeah, he's. I mean, a lot of fans are really down on him. Yeah, <laughs> that's a kind way to put it. Um, <laughs> It's obvious that he hasn't played up to his level of most of last season. He, I mean, he really did struggle at the end of last season for the last right. 20, 20 games or so. Um, so he's really kind of been in a slump for a while. I thought go adding Gobert would help that because it, I mean, it's a lob partner that, that he was really missing. Um, I, it's, I don't know how long it's going to take him to come out of the slump if he comes out of the slump, but it's something that he definitely needs to try to figure out. Otherwise it will be like, what can we get for D'Angelo Russell in a trade? Where can we send D'Angelo Russell and try to get something positive that will help this team back? Um, I don't think that the team's at that point, but it's pretty clear that the fan base is at that point with him. Yeah. Well, you know, the teams, they, they'll, they'll hear the fan base, but we can't, you know, really worry about that. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You said he struggled the last 20 games last year and he's, he's been, pretty much up and down this year and the go bear thing we thought would have helped him, but it seems like he's trying to find out where his shots are, are going to come from in the offense and, you know, when to shoot the ball, when not to shoot the ball. Um, he doesn't look comfortable. Um, right. You know, in the, in the shots that I saw him making, you know, he made making shots at the end of the shot clock um, or, or getting shots at the end of the shot clock, which is never, which is never good. Um you know, it just seems like he's trying to figure out where he fits in, uh, what his role really is within the offense. Yeah. And I think that it's got to be less dictated by him at this point. He's right. a good passer, but mm-hmm. he hasn't shown as much of that this year. Um, there's been a lot more turnovers and he hasn't been shooting the ball well. I think we need to s- simplify things for him, get him in, in an action where you know, he can just get open shots and then, then you can try to build off of that and also just let Anthony Edwards just take over a little bit. I'm not saying it's isolation possessions, but John Moran has the ball in his hands a lot. You can't expect Edwards to take a big leap. The ball is not going to be in his hands as much as someone like, like jaw or Luca or James Harden or those ball dominant guards that you hope Edwards can be. You got to give them the opportunity to do that. And when you have someone dictating so many possessions and doing it slowly right that's that's big right there slowly slowly is big someone i 
I don't remember if it was Dane or, or someone was talking about D'Angelo Russell looks like he's always trying to find which option is the best where Jordan <laughs> McLaughlin just goes quick, just quick, just plays. And, and so he, they were saying like, you don't see Jordan McLaughlin have like that home run pass very often, but you also don't see Jordan McLaughlin dribbling the ball for seven seconds at the beginning of a possession, trying to find the best trying option. To figure out, right. So for D'Lo, if, when he is initiating the offense quickly, got to do it quick. The ball eventually is going to come back around um, to him if it needs to, if it needs to. And if it doesn't, it's probably because they found a good, a good shot elsewhere because he moved the ball quick. Yeah. And, and, and hearing what you just said, it just seems like they're not comfortable with the offense they're running. Um, guys just aren't, aren't comfortable. Um, you know, you'd mentioned uh, last week, uh, I think it was Ant that just had his first, dunk you know so guys are trying to figure out the offense again it's not and it's I mean I know it sounds funny but you're not used to as a guard um this day and age to be on the court with two seven footers um you know you're you're, like bigs always seem to in my mind they were always in the way yeah um you know it was like you know you're trying to create something and they're or if they're not able to, if they're not skilled enough, they're they're just letting help just uh, just sit in your lap there. So you know that's the thing there. If you if you can get by a guy, you got Rudy in that dunker spot. They got to step up, and that's a that's as easy too right there for him. Yeah. Um. So it's going to be interesting to see you know how they you know starting lineup is going to be the same tonight, but how long are they going to stay with that with the starting lineup with those guys in there, and how much more what's going to be Cal Anderson or. Or who, you know, how much time are they going to get with, you know, playing the four and Kat and Rudy's, you know, at some five? Yeah, I think I think if things don't get better soon, it will be there will be a shift in in the starting unit. I don't think it's not going to be those two. No, no, no. The biggest thing I wonder is what are the the politics of that, of D'Angelo Russell getting moved? to the bench. He's a, a guy in a max contract. Obviously he's not playing at that level, but I mean, he's a guy that also is trying to get a new contract and, and he's, I mean, he's just a player that they tried to trade this off season, couldn't find the trade partner for him. So instead they kind of punted in a, in a sort of way and, and traded for Gobert, who they thought was going to help him a lot. Hasn't happened. Um, I don't know. It just feels like that's like a a big political issue in right. a team for someone like D'Angelo Russell to get benched in favor of Jordan McLaughlin. That's a big, big, big political issue. Um, when you have a guy on a max max contract, and we're going to put him on the bench like that, um, it's, it's better to move him. Probably, yeah. you know, because it's going to it's just going to cause more headaches. Um, yeah, if anything. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think yeah, that's that's interesting. <laughs> That'd be an interesting one there. And the the tough thing about moving him is where, and then what do you trade with him? And you don't have any yes. first round picks to trade because they're all tied up. You're not going to get a player of D'Angelo Russell's caliber back. Now you might get a guy who fits better, but he's going to be a lot less talented. Like he also makes a ton of money, so you got to bring back salary Max that matches. Salary, yes, true. I don't know who that is. I mean, Mike Conley's a name that's been brought up a lot. And I know I'm not at the point of trading 
D'Angelo Russell quite yet, but it's, it's getting a lot closer, obviously. And a lot of people are at that point. Um, Mike Conley is a person that's been brought up a lot. One reason, you know, he's had success playing with Rudy Gobert. Rudy, right. He's a guy whose contract also makes sense with the, the trade because it has, you know, a big salary, just like D'Angelo Russell's. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that type of move? Cause otherwise, and I don't even know if that's feasible, but like, there's not a lot of options out there where you bring someone of quality back. Yeah. I was, uh, I was actually shocked when you said Mike Connolly. Um, uh, but, uh, he has played with Rudy played with him for a few years. So he, he did, uh, get his game going. His game seemed to come back to him when he was in, in Utah, had some very good games, plays with, plays with pace. Um, definitely pushes the ball um, up the court. Smart, smart, intelligent player. But I don't, you know, I don't see it happening yet. Um, but that's a, that's an interesting one there, especially because those two have played together before. Yeah, and I think the reason that Conley might be someone who is plausible is he does have another year in his contract after this one, where okay. Dianzo is expiring. So it would be a situation where. Utah is taking on D'Lo so they can free up the 24 million that Conley's owed next year right. by taking on D'Lo's money this year. And then they have a little more, a little more room, little not more that they're going to a little more wiggle room. Right. And they could, you know, take on that money and kind of, yeah, have that wiggle room and have some more freedom for next year. Um, but they're also playing really well. So like, yeah, they're playing, they are, they're playing really well. Um, and no I don't one, know, no one saw that coming. <laughs> no, definitely. I definitely did not see that coming. I had them. I, I didn't have them as the worst team in the league because I, there is a lot of talent on that team. Right. It's just like, it's a weird group of people, but they just kind of all bought into like, people don't believe in us. Let's, let's go to work. And it's, it's worked really good for them. So I don't know how long that keeps up. If they want to be a team that is winning games, they don't have a clear star player moving forward like they don't have they have a lot of picks um right. and they have picks of teams like the wolves who aren't playing too good so those might end <laughs> up being good picks but yeah i don't know what their end goal is but if they wanted to move off mike conley that's if you're looking to trade d'angelo russell and the jazz are looking to get off mike conley it seems like a logical move that could be made um but conley's also old he's 36 yeah. like it's not a player you can bet on for the next five years to, to be the guy um, to bring you somewhere. So I don't know, like I said, I'm not at that point, but every poor game, it gets closer. And a lot of people are already at that point. Well, I just, I just nixed that thought of the trade when you said 36. Yeah. I mean, that's 10 years older than Dilo. <laughs> Let me take that back. He's 35. He's 35. He's right still now. nine years but older still, than him. Yeah. Still, it's, I mean, that's, he has, he has more, he has, uh, some more miles on his legs. Um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that'd be a hard one right there. Yeah. So I don't know. Otherwise you're looking at George Hill caliber point guards. Like there's not a lot of great options, um, in that sense. So yeah, it's very, it's very true. There's not a lot of great options. Now that you mentioned that. I mean, it's hard to have, it's hard to find a quality point guard. It's also hard to do that when you're trying to trade a $30 million point guard. Um, most teams that have a good point guard don't want to give up a good point guard because they need them. And DeAnzo Russell is just such a funky player that you can't count on his skill set working in every environment. Um, so I, I don't know. 
But like I said, I think he's going to figure it out. I really, I do believe in this, this lineup. I think it's just going to be a matter of simplifying things, calling more set plays and a lot less freedom on offense. Um, you know, you know that, you- that, that may be, that may be the best thing right there where those guys have to come down and, and run a set play instead of having an open offense every time down the floor. Cause I'm sure Rudy's probably used to running more set plays than just playing free, free flow and, and reading, read and react offense, reading his teammates. Yeah. Um, and I think that would definitely help the whole situation out situation so, out. That's a good job there, coach. It's not a unique thought to me. It's something that a lot of people have said, but I definitely, I, I see the benefits in that because you have to earn the right to have the freedom. Right. So I think that's, that would be an easy way. Simplify it that way. Simplify the defense by picking one scheme, sticking to it, call more set plays. Then you can, you can start to give them more freedom back. You can start to implement new defensive schemes. Once you figure out something, it kind of felt like the wolves are trying to do too much so far this year. Right. Um, Tone it down a little bit, figure out the basics. Then you can go back, start to build go back to the basics. That's what I was so thinking. that that would be my fix. Um, and Chris Chris Finch is smart. I think he I think he's going to figure it out. But I can't say the effort issues are obviously they've been on on the players. I think some of the blame has to go on Finch for for maybe sticking with this this scheme and these ideas a little bit too long and not and not trying to simplify he's made tweaks but i think it's going to take a little more than minor tweaks to get this thing on the right track agreed agreed i think um it's gonna have to i i really like what you just said there though about the set offense um i think we have to really look at that that's uh that that you know put guys in positions uh run sets just make everything be intentional as as to why you're doing, doing what you're it. doing on the court. Yes. Yeah. And that's going to be a way to to bring up the pace with D'Angelo Russell. You know, if he knows what action he's going to be running, get the ball of his hands quick so it can move, get it where it needs to go, rather than just trying to dissect and and wasting eight, nine seconds off off the clock right away. So yeah, we'll see if they get into that tonight. Be interesting. Really yeah, interesting. This would be a great it'd be a win. great game for it. The Cavs are a good team, regardless of Mitchell and, and Allen being out. That's a lot of talent, but they're still a quality team that plays really hard. Um, they still got Darius Garland, they still have uh Evan Mobley, Levert. very quality role players, Karis Levert. Um, it'd be great to get a win here if you could win this one on Wednesday, win the win against the Magic, start to build. I'm not saying you got to go on an eight game win streak, but win four out of seven, like that's got to take those steps now so that eventually you can actually start to put together a real streak of, of wins and quality play and hopefully write your ship. I mean, at the end of the day, seeding in the playoffs, it matters. But if you struggle at the beginning of the year, you figured your stuff out and you end up as the six seed and you end up, you could win a first round against a three seed. And then you could build off of that. I mean, your seed doesn't determine how good a team you are, but you the Wolves have to make the playoffs before we worry about what seed they are in the seed playoffs. Yeah, so. that's very true. Very, very true. Do you have any last thoughts on this team for for tonight or for the next week or so before we talk again? 
Yeah, well, I just we got to rebound the ball tonight. Um, That's been you know, big it's, too. It's it's good. It might be good that Allen is out. Um, you know, but um, we talked about it last week. Everyone thinks Rudy's gonna get every rebound. Um, you know, so guys are taking off. So we got to make sure rebound the ball. Um, I think it was, they said Memphis, a lot of offensive rebounds. It was really bad. Yeah. Oh, I think it was 15 rebounds for 32 points, 15 offensive rebounds, 32 points. That's, that's, that's unheard of. Yeah. Way too, way too much leaking out after the shot goes up Right. and guys just offense players following their shot because there's nobody there. Um, so yeah, you got it. It's gotta be more of a concerted effort to, to crash a glass on, on defense so that, I mean, sure, you might not get a fast break on offense, but at least you aren't giving up the two quick points. I mean, 15, 32 points, that's over two points per offensive rebound, which is, yes. like you said, unheard of. So crash the defensive glass. It might be a, everybody crashes, nobody leaks out, and we just, until we can figure out that we <laughs> need to rebound the ball, like that might have to be something too. And that's big. Every, everyone crashed glass to walk the ball up the court run set plays we're going back we're going back in time here yeah (laughs) if if we gotta do it we gotta do it back to the basics what works whatever works. simplify i think simplifies if i had to pick one word to say what the wolves need to do would be to simplify simplify things so well doug thank you for finding time today and waiting for me to finish that vikings game so we could hop on um, I hope your Cowboys beat the Packers today so that the, Vi- the Vikings lead is even farther <laughs> ahead um, in the NFC North. But um, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Believe in Timberwolves podcast presented by Bet Online. I am Brendan Hetke. He's Doug West and we'll be back soon. Peace out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.